بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته سورة المؤمنون and سورة النور المؤمنون literally means the believers and all of us think we have a right to this title but Allah سبحانه وتعالى sets down the criterion and the characteristics that true believers must show Allah begins the surah قَدْ أَفْلَحَ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ Successful indeed are the believers. Allah uses the past tense قَدْ أَفْلَحَ It actually means they are already successful. It's so certain their success, it's like it's already happened. And what's the first quality Allah mentions about them? الَّذِينَ هُمْ فِي صَلَاتِهِمْ خَاشِعُونَ Those who are fully submissive in prayer. Those who have خُشُوعُ in salah. They concentrate, they have humility, they are fully submissive. Those who turn away from evil speech, every kind of evil speech, backbiting, slander, lying, uh, obscenity, swearing. Those who are observant of zakah, they give the zakah. Those who guard strictly their private parts. Except from their wives or those whom their right hands possess, for indeed they will not be blamed. But whoever seeks beyond that, then those are the transgressors. SubhanAllah, the way of the Qur'an is so profound in which it explains laws. There might be an infinite number of deviant ways that a person might seek sexual fulfillment. Could be pornography, could be prostitution, could be so many, the list is endless. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala simply identifies the halal means and then says, And whoever goes beyond this, they are the transgressors. transgressors. Those who fulfill their trusts and their promises. One of the forgotten qualities of the believers to fulfill your promises, contracts, trusts and agreements. And those who carefully maintain their prayers. We've done a full circle returning to the very first quality that we started off with, which is being strict with your prayers, being fully submissive in your prayers. And what will be the reward of those who have these qualities? Those are the inheritors who will inherit Al-Firdaus. They will abide therein eternally. The highest levels of paradise, Al-Firdaus. Why did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala use the word Warith or Yarithun, inherit? Wouldn't it have been enough to say they will enter paradise or they will go to paradise or they will be in paradise? Why does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala use the word inherit? Well, you see, one of the punishments of the people who reject Iman is in the hereafter, they will see the portion of paradise that would have been theirs had they believed in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. SubhanAllah. That portion will also be given to the believers. Not only will they have their portion of paradise, they will have the portion of those who rejected belief had they, had they believed that they would, have, uh, they would have got this. That also goes to the believers. It is inherited by the believers. In verse 57 onwards, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then continues with higher level qualities of the believers. 
What are those higher level qualities? Indeed, those who are apprehensive from fear of their Lord. And those who believe in the signs of their Lord. And those who do not associate anything with their Lord. And those who give what they give while their hearts are fearful because they will be returning to their Lord. It is those who hasten to do good deeds and they outstrip others in performing these good deeds. Aisha radiallahu anha asked the Prophet why is it that their hearts are fearful? Uh, uh, why is it that they give, they give charity while their hearts are fearful? Is it because they steal, commit zina and drink alcohol? And the Prophet ﷺ said, No, of course not, O daughter of Siddiq. They are fearful because they fear their good deeds will not be accepted. Abdullah ibn Umar mentioned that if I knew that one single good deed is accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there would be no more welcome visitor than death. Why? Because if you know a good deed has been accepted, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Innama yataqabbal Allahu min al muttaqin. Allah only accepts from the muttaqin. If one of your good deeds has been accepted, it means the stamp of approval that you are from the muttaqin. Subhanallah. This should remind us about salah. After the fard salah, what is the very first thing we say? Astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah. Why are we seeking forgiveness? We haven't committed a sin. We've done the best of deeds, which is salah. It's because we are fearful our salah will not be accepted. It's because we know the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that this good deed is not worthy of his greatness and we know the deficiencies in our good deeds. Surah An-Nur The central theme of Surah An-Nur is establishing the guidelines of sexual morality that will protect the Muslim community from every type of indecency. The background of this surah is that there were verses revealed uh, on the return from the Battle of Tabuk. The Prophet ﷺ and the companions were returning from the Battle of the Tabuk and the Munafiqun, they attempted the most audacious attack where they started to spread rumors about the wife of Aisha, uh, or the wife of the Prophet ﷺ, Aisha anha. They spread rumors about her infidelity and they spread rumors that she was unfaithful to the Prophet ﷺ. Astaghfirullah. And these rumors festered for more than a month in Medina and some of the believers were swept into these rumors. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed verses of Surah An-Nur to uh, exonerate Aisha, to declare her free from these evil rumors and to raise her rank right until the Day of Judgment. There's around 10 verses revealed regarding this incident. It's known as Hadithul Ifk, the incident of the heinous lie. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins this surah. Suratun anzalnaha wa faradnaha wa anzalna fiha ayatin bayinatin la'allakum tadhakkaroon. This is a surah which we have sent down and made it a big obligatory and revealed therein verses of clear evidence that you might remember. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala emphasizes anzalna twice. We have revealed, we have revealed to emphasize its source is from him. There's a hint in here that the rules that are going to come, you are going to have to implement them strictly and they're not going to be easy rules. And we have made it obligatory. Ayatim bayinat, clear evidences, multiple forms of emphasis. 
Then there is a very harsh tone of a verse. Az-zaniyatu az-zani fajlidu kulla wahidin minhuma mi'ata jalda wala ta'khudkum bihima ra'fatun fi deeni Allahi in kuntum tu'minuna billahi wal yawmil akhir wal yashhad azabahuma ta'ifatun min al-mu'minin. The unmarried woman or unmarried man found guilty of sexual intercourse lash each one of them with a hundred lashes and do not be taken by pity for them in the religion of Allah if you should believe in Allah and the last day and let a group of the believers witness their punishment. This is a very harsh punishment for the one found guilty of fornication and an even harsher capital punishment for the one found guilty of adultery i.e. being married and having sexual intercourse outside of marriage. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts forward such a severe punishment as a deterrent to adultery and fornication. These are the sins which absolutely destroy the society. They destroy the basic building block of the society, which is the family unit. They sow mistrust between the husband and wife. They destroy the marriage. They also destroy the lines of lineage where children don't even know who their real parents are. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala strikes a very harsh tone in this verse with a very severe punishment. But go two verses on. وَالَّذِينَ يَرْمُونَ الْمُحْصَنَاتِ ثُمَّ لَمْ يَأْتُوا بِأَرْبَعَةِ شُهَدَاءَ فَاجْلِدُوهُمْ ثَمَانِينَ جَلْدَةً وَلَا تَقْبَلُوا لَهُمْ شَهَادَةً أَبَدًا وَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْفَاسِقُونَ and those who accuse chaste women and then do not produce four witnesses, lash them with 80 lashes and do not accept from their testimony ever after that. And those are the defiantly disobedient. Subhanallah, the punishment might be severe, but the burden of proof is exceptionally, exceptionally high. To be able to convict somebody and uh, carry out this punishment you need four just witnesses to have actually witnessed the act of adultery and fornication itself. Actually witnessed the physical act happening itself. Subhanallah, Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah mentioned in Islamic history, there has been never been a single case brought where somebody has committed this evil in front of four just witnesses. The most ever recorded was three witnesses. But because there was no fourth witness, the accusation had to be withdrawn. So the burden of proof is so exceptionally high, it's beyond reality. This teaches us that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is setting forward these punishments as a deterrent. As a deterrent. So how is it that the punishment is implemented? How is it that these lashings or executions took place in Islamic history? It was always through confession. Where somebody committed the act and was so overwhelmed with guilt and grief that they wanted to come before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment purified. So they went and they confessed over and over again until their confession was accepted and the had, the punishment, was established. It has never been established through witnesses. Somebody who was claiming they were innocent and then the punishment is established. You then find the rules of li'an where a husband makes an accusation of adultery against his wife and how he must take an oath and the fifth oath or the four, the four witnesses count as his oath, his oath by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that his wife has done this and he has observed it. And the fifth is an oath that the punishment of Allah be upon him if he is lying. And a wife can um, rebuke this accusation by herself taking four oaths that she is innocent and then the fifth being that if she is lying the punishment of Allah be upon her and if she does this then the marriage is dissolved Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
makes it very clear in this surah, one of the most greatest crimes you can commit is to accuse others of adultery or fornication. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يُحِبُّونَ أَن تَشِيعَ الْفَاحِشَةُ فِي الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا لَهُمْ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ وَاللَّهُ يَعْلَمُ وَأَنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ Indeed, those who like that immorality should be spread or publicized among those who have believed will have a painful punishment in this world and the hereafter. And Allah knows and you do not know. Spreading salacious rumors, spreading accusations, indecent accusations about fellow believers is one of the considered one of the greatest sins in Islam and it carries a severe punishment in Islam, in Islamic law. SubhanAllah, this doesn't just include actual rumors and accusations. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also warns us against innuendo, suggestive behavior, spreading rumors. How so? In the beginning of this passage, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about hadith al-ifq, the incident where Aisha radiallahu anha was accused herself. In the most graphic way possible, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala warns us against spreading rumors via the example of the beloved wife of the Prophet herself. Allah says in verse 11, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ جَاءُوا بِالْإِفْكِ عُسْبَةٌ مِّنْكُمْ لَا تَحْسَبُوهُ شَرًّا لَكُمْ بَلْ هُوَ خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ لِكُلِّ امْرِئٍ مِّنْهُمْ مَكْتَسَبَ مِنَ الْإِثْمِ وَالَّذِي تَوَلَّى كِبْرَهُ مِنْهُمْ لَهُ عَذَابٌ عَظِيمٌ Indeed, those who came with falsehood, the false rumor against Aisha, are a group amongst you. Do not think it is bad for you, rather it is good for you. For every person amongst them is what punishment he has earned from the sin. And he who took upon himself the greater portion thereof for him is a great punishment. When, why when you heard it did you not, uh, did not the believing men and believing women think good of one another and say this is an obvious falsehood? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes the only people who are not responsible and were free from blame are those who say, Hada ifkum mubin. This is an obvious falsehood. When rumors start spreading about believers, it's not your job to start investigating, prodding, passing the rumors on, saying things like, I don't know if this is true, but this is what I heard. Your job is to say, Hada ifkum mubin. This is an obvious falsehood. Spreading of rumors amongst the community, suggestive, innuendo, um, false accusations, even um, not actually making the accusation but passing it on, this all normalizes the sin of adultery and fornication. One of the ways in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala stops this is by stopping the rumors which normalize this sin. In the incident with Aisha, there were generally three groups of believers. One uh, there were generally three groups of people. Once were, one were the munafiqun who actually were most active in spreading the rumors. Secondly, were those believers who were caught up. They either kept silent or they simply did not defend Aisha. The third group is the only group which is praised in this verse. They say this is an obvious lie. And amongst them was Abu Musa al-Ashari who reprimanded his wife when she even mentioned what had been said. And then Abu Musa al-Ashari's wife reprimanded him also. Why does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, why did you not think good of one another? Because when you spread rumors like this, you're damaging the whole community. If you're saying that Aisha could be responsible for something like this, then that by impl implicitly suggests that anyone else can be responsible. 
That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes it as having good opinion of yourself not to spread these kind of rumors. But there is always a spirit of mercy and forgiveness. When Abu Bakr radiallahu anh heard that one uh, of his relatives, Mista, was involved in spreading the rumors, he swore never to give charity to him. He used to give him a monthly amount to keep him going. He was a poor person. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed, وَلَا يَأْتِئُ لِلْفَضْلِ مِنْكُمْ وَالسَّعَةِ أَنْ يُؤْتُوا أُلِي الْقُرْبَى وَالْمَسَاكِينَ وَالْمُهَاجِرِينَ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ وَلْيَعْفُ وَلْيَسْفَحُ أَلَا تُحِبُّونَ أَنْ يَغْفِرَ اللَّهُ لَكُمْ وَاللَّهُ غَفُورُ الرَّحِيمُ And let not those of virtue among you and wealth swear not to give to their relatives and the needy and the emigrants for the cause of Allah and let them pardon and overlook. Would you not like that Allah should forgive you and Allah is forgiving and most merciful? SubhanAllah, when this verse was revealed, there's actually a narration that Abu Bakr then uh, increased his spending on Mista. So there's always the spirit of mercy and forgiveness. We then find the most remarkable verses describing the guidelines of sexual morality, of how to preserve the integrity of the Muslim community and prevent all types of indecency. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا لَا تَدْخُلُوا بُيُوتًا غَيْرَ بُيُوتِكُمْ حَتَّى تَسْتَأْنِسُوا وَتُسَلِّمُوا عَلَىٰ أَهْلِهَا ذَلِكُمْ خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَذَكَّرُونَ O you have believed, do not enter houses other than your own houses until you ascertain permission and greet the inhabitants. The importance of respecting domestic privacy, that you should not be storming into other people's homes without first asking permission and making salam in case you see something inappropriate, in case you see something private. The verse continues. قل للمؤمنين يغضون قل للمؤمنين يغضون من أبصارهم ويحفظوا فروجهم ذلك أزكى لك ذلك أزكى لهم إن الله خبير بما يصنعون. Tell the believing men to lower their gaze and guard their private parts. This is pure for them. Indeed, Allah is acquainted with what you do. The obligation of lowering the the gaze as one of the means of protecting the community. وَقُلْ لِلْمُؤْمِنَاتِ يَغْضُضْنَا وَقُلْ لِلْمُؤْمِنَاتِ يَغْضُضْنَا مِنْ أَبْصَارِهِنَّ وَيَحْفَظُونَ فُرُوجَهُنَّ وَلَا يُبْدِينَ زِينَتَهُنَّ إِلَّا مَا ظَهَرَ مِنْهَا وَلْيَضْرِبْنَ بِخُمُرِهِنَّ عَلَى جُيُوبِهِنَّ وَلَا يُبْدِينَ زِينَتَهُنَّ إِلَّا لِبُعُولَتِهِنَّ أَوْ آبَائِهِنَّ أَوْ آبَاءِ بُعُولَتِهِنَّ أَوْ أَبْنَائِهِنَّ أَوْ أَبْنَاءِ بُعُولَتِهِنَّ أَوْ إِخْوَانِهِنَّ أَوْ بَنِي إِخْوَانِهِنَّ أَوْ بَنِي أَخَوَاتِهِنَّ أَوْ نِسَائِهِنَّ أَوْ مَا مَلَكَتْ أَيْمَانُهُنَّ أَوْ التَّابِعِينَ غَيْرِ أُولِي الْإِرْبَةِ مِنَ الرِّجَالِ and tell the believing women to also lower their gaze and guard their private parts and do not expose their adornment except that which appears thereof and to wrap a portion of their head covers over their chests and not to expose their adornment except to their husbands, their fathers, their husbands' fathers, their sons, their husbands' sons, their brothers, their brothers' sons, their sisters' sons, their women, that which their right hands possess or those male attendants having no physical desire or children who are not yet aware of the private aspects of women. And let them not stamp their feet to make what they conceal of their adornment known. And turn to Allah in repentance, all of you believers, that you might be successful. This is the obligation of Jilbab, fully explained. And the basic modesty which Muslim women in particular must observe, but also men. 
You also then find verses encouraging uh, men to parry, uh, marry poor women, the prohibition of prostitution, courtesy at home is emphasized with children who eat, reach the age of puberty, asking permission to enter their parents' dwellings and their private rooms. The chastity of men is also stressed and helping those who cannot afford to marry. You have a comprehensive structure and guidance here to preserve the sexual morality of the Muslim communities. And when that happens, you then found, you find that one of the most famous verses in the Qur'an, Allahu nuru samawati wal ard. What's the connection? You see, when you observe the guidelines of sexual morality that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed, your heart then will be pure enough to be able to be a receptor for the nur of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you defile yourself with all these different types of prohibitions and throw yourself into it with your desires, then your heart will be blocked off from the nur of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala.